Wes and Verna set out, sent out this uh, questionnaire to many of the pastors in, in the area. One of the questions on the questionnaire was, what is the most important thing in your life? And he was going through the papers, uh, responses from the different pastors. And one of the pastors put down, most important thing in my life, grace and my three glasses of wine. And Wes said, hmm, that's a little strange. He said, he's talking to Werner about it and said, you know, I'm not too concerned because as long as God's grace is there and it's really, you know, important in his life, I guess, you know, we can put, push aside the three glasses of wine. But I think I'm going to go and talk with him. So he arrived at the pastor's house and the pastor took him into uh, his office. And just as they were ready to start talking, the pastor's wife walked in to see if they really wanted to have anything. Wes said, nah, I don't really need anything. And the pastor looked up and said, yeah, Grace, I'll have my first glass of wine now. <laughs> All right, I guess we need to pray after that. <laughs> well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this season. We thank you that our country does celebrate this season, Lord, and and as we do, sometimes when we walk around through the malls and the stores and various places, Lord, we just hear music that actually worships you. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And we just pray that during this season, we may renew the giving of our hearts to you. And it's, Lord, the beginnings the celebration of the beginnings of what you did for us. We thank you for that. Lord, we just uh, pray that as we go through and get to this day, Lord, that uh, this day become even more and more important to us uh, because of its spiritual aspects, Lord, because of the fact that you have given so much. And we pray that, pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I entitled my message, What If? Funny title, isn't it? What If? What I want you to do this morning is sit back and relax. And I want you to daydream a little bit. Because what I want to do is take you through some of the life of Jesus. And as we're doing, the, the, the what if is, what if you were there when all of this happened? What if you were some of these people that met Jesus face to face? And what would it have done in your life? And can you take that and apply it to our lives today? So that's kind of what we're going to be doing. We're going to mainly stay in the book of Luke. I'm going to be reading several passages in there, and then uh, we'll talk about what we can get out of, those, out of those passages. So the first is Luke 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably read this passage at least a hundred times, 
probably even more than that. Okay, because every Christmas we, uh, we read this, and of course those of us that read through the Bible come across it more often even than that. Okay, so starting in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered, What manner of greeting is this? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Funny, um, I was, uh, I guess my, my youngest son, Brian, has a family hour every night with his, with his children. And uh, we were watching Ethan one night. He's three and a half. He actually had a sleepover with uh, Nana and Papa. And so he came by himself. And he told me, he says, we have to have family hour. It was time for him to go to bed. So I didn't have anything, so I just took out the Bible and I started reading this passage, you know. And I didn't even get to the part where it was Jesus, just about, um, about the baby being born and swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. He says, oh, baby Jesus. <laughs> he, knew, he knew right away. I didn't even get to it. It's great to see that little, little three-year-old. So behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the, of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who was to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived the son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I was thinking, what would of our answer be? What would my answer be to something like that? Of course, that can't happen to me because I'm being a male, all right? But, uh, you know, when, when we think of everything that Joseph went through, because when you go through this, uh, the story, actually, you, you have to go into the book of Matthew to see that the, uh, an angel had to appear to Joseph to get him to understand really what was going on. But, you know, there are two different cultures. that We think of our culture today people having babies outside of wedlock, it's, it's not really that big of a deal in our culture. Back then, this was a big deal. All right, for Mary to accept this, knowing that everybody around her is going to be looking at her and saying, oh, well, you had sex outside of marriage, obviously, because you're, you're pregnant. 
And in the Jewish culture back then, you know, you're going to be shamed in, in, because of that. That's why originally Joseph was thinking he was going to have to put her away because of the fact that this was a, a big shame thing. And yet Mary immediately said, be it done to me according to your word. She didn't hesitate at all. Now, I have to believe that through her life and also through Joseph's life, they had been hearing God, they had been listening to God, and they had been obedient to God. Um, I think of the passage that says, uh, if you're faithful in a little, God gives you bigger things. And I think Mary and Joseph, probably through their life, had been faithful in little things. Little things that they had. It doesn't show that in Scripture. But I don't think that like this was the first time they were hearing God's voice. Now, it's probably the first time they heard it that way. But, um, they, but during their life, I'm sure that they were obedient to God's word and whatever God was showing them in their word. This is something that we kind of have to look at in our own lives. You know, are we obedient to God's word? Are we ready if God wants to advance us in any way, in other words, and give us some bigger, bigger thing? Are we faithful in the little things that God gives us so that when we get to the point where God wants us to do something that's a little greatest, like something like what, what Mary uh, had to, uh, to agree to, then we, do, we would be ready to do something like that. What we want to do, and what Mary and Joseph, I think, did, is they put God in control. They didn't say, well, uh, you know, what am I going to say to my mother? What am I going to say to my father? You didn't see any of these questions. What am I going to say to all my friends that are going to think that I had sex outside of marriage or something? You know, they didn't ask anything. They just put it into God's control. That's where joy and peace come in. We talk about joy and peace in, at Christmas time. Joy to the world, okay, and the, and the peace of God. All of these things come when God is in control of our life. And we will allow God to ask us to do things, and we don't um, not do them when he asks. Next, people are the shepherds. And uh, I thought Sarah was going to steal a lot of my uh, sermon here <laughs> when you talked about that. Um, that's in uh, Luke 2, 8 through 15, but I'm not going to read it again because Sarah read some of that already. Okay? But one thing that I noticed about the shepherds is they were immediately obedient to God. They didn't say, you know, we're kind of busy. Uh, maybe we better wait until it's a better season or a better time. Okay? And they did not do that. They immediately went. And they were rewarded because of that because, as Sarah said, they're the first ones to see the baby Jesus other than, uh, obviously, Mary and Joseph. The next people, I'd like you to turn to Luke, Luke 2, verse 25. Two people here, Simeon and Anna. And let's read that. It's very, uh, fairly short. Verse, starting in verse 25 of chapter 2. 
And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I think it's amazing. It always amazes me that somebody is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. I mean, first of all, he recognizes Jesus. Because nobody walks up and says, this is Jesus. You know, he's recognizing him immediately. He, he's been looking for him for quite some time. Okay? But when he did see him, he knew it was, it was Jesus. Okay? And you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to recognize things spiritually like that. Okay? And we take that into our own lives. Um, it's... Uh, being in tune with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, you know, day by day, hour by hour, so that when God shows us something, we recognize the spiritual nature of that and don't pass it by, okay? It's really easy for that to happen. If we are distracted uh, by things in, in uh, you know, in, in the world, and it's really easy to, for that to happen, that... We miss things spiritually. We might look back on things in our own life. Sometimes I do. Uh, I look back and I say, you know, I missed it. I missed that opportunity to be a witness for Christ in, in this situation. You know, I could have said these things because distracted by something. You know, I, would, I was thinking more in terms of, you know, I got to get to the next place to be on time and stuff. And uh, the, I, I miss that. And it's the same thing with Anna. If you go on to verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him, to all those who looked for redemption in, in Jerusalem. Again, she recognizes Jesus, okay, because she is in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, she's well into her 90s, I guess. She was really, because she had been, uh, her husband had died 84 years ago, and she was a young girl at the time, so... She's, she's really up there in age. So she has been 
fasting and praying at the temple for years and years, for decades probably. Okay, again, waiting for Jesus, and yet, you know, when he was come, she recognized that fact, okay? So uh, these are people that just amaze me, you know, and again, could I do that? You know, I mean, if God put that on my heart to do it, could I do that? That's that's, uh, a lot, but um, she did, okay? Uh, Next person, John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist, I'm not going to read anything in Scripture about him. We all know the story. Uh, He was preparing the way for God, okay? But he was, he's a man uh, so full of humility, so humble, all right? He said, you know, we have to, Jesus has to become greater. I have to become less. He had a whole pile of disciples following him, yet he didn't hold on to that. He said, you guys need to turn now and follow and follow Jesus, not me. Okay, so we, it's just the humility that we need in our lives to make sure that we don't take accolades on ourselves, but all things need to be done for God, and as we're doing them for God, that He gets the glory from those things. The apostles were another one. That I, I, I think of the first apostles who were called. Okay, they they were working with their father, and Jesus said, follow me. And there wasn't a doubt there. You know, off they went to follow Jesus. Okay, and, and we take that into our own lives. You know, how often do we put things, other things first in front of, well, I'll get to that, you know, when God's asking you to do something. Next person, this is an interesting one, the paralyzed man uh, in Luke 5. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 17. Say, now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, meaning Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. What faith these people had. I mean, it just amazes me to be tear somebody's roof apart, to lower a paralyzed man in, knowing that when they got him in there, that Jesus would heal him. It takes a lot of faith to do that because think of how embarrassing it would be if you did all that and the man didn't get healed. You know, there's no guarantee. You know, nobody said, well, if you do it this way, it'll definitely be a healing. They had the faith to be able to do that. Okay? And we need to have that kind of faith in our own lives. Uh, let's go way to the end of Luke now. Luke 20, 21. So the Pharisees kept testing Jesus throughout his life, and this was one of those times. It says, Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly. And you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. So here's the trick that they're trying to get him to 
say something wrong. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? I, I heard Ravi Zachariah um, speaking on this verse one time, and he said, don't you wish that Jesus had answered this in a different way? <laughs> on April 15th, you could say, sorry, Uncle Sam. Jesus said, no, we can't pay taxes, but he didn't say that. Okay, so, But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So the next question after that would be, what things are God's? And that's us. We belong to God, whose inscription is on our heart. It needs to be Jesus's at all times. Okay? Really important on that one. But think again, what would you have done had you been there at that time? Let's just go back a little bit to uh, chapter 19 and verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Aren't we all? That's amazing. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I think of uh, Zacchaeus because at some, at some point in time, money was really important to him. And just meeting Jesus and giving his heart to Jesus, that changed him immediately to, say, you know, to take half of his money and give it to the poor immediately and to pay back double and triple whatever he you know, uh, owed to other people. Immediately, Jesus became the most important thing in his life. So this is focusing on us today. Is Jesus the most important thing? Does he far outstretch anything else uh, in, in our lives, as happened to Zacchaeus uh, immediately? Let's go on to Luke 24. We having fun yet? Luke 24, verse 13. 
This happened right after Jesus had risen from the dead. It says, now behold, two of them, two of uh, Jesus' disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, the crucifixion and the resurrection, or the so-called resurrection, because they really weren't sure at that time. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the the, the things which happened there in these days? It's ironic that he asked Jesus this question, because Jesus was the one that knew everything that happened, and, and they really still were clueless as to everything. And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, Today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? This one verse really struck me because this is what we need to be, have in our own life. In knowing Jesus, our hearts should burn within us that, of His presence. You know, we think of all the people that, that met Jesus along the way, and actually none of them really have at that time, what we have. Because we have Jesus in our heart all the time. It's 24-7. You know, these people were just meeting Jesus you know, face-to-face for a certain period of time. And you look, in some of these instances, how much it changed their life. Okay? Think of our own lives. 
and how much our lives should change because Jesus is in our heart and our heart should burn with that. It's the gratitude of what Jesus did for us that brings the joy of this season. And that's where, where this joy really comes from. We know that joy is not because a moment, something happens in a moment. You know, we're happy because things happen in a moment. But the joy is something that's going to be with us or should be with us at all times. The teacher and me had to get this poem out because this poem is about a student. But it's a reflection of Jesus. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took his sheet also and gave him a new one. Into his tired heart I cried, saying, Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, dear master? For I've spoiled this one. He took my day, all spoiled, and gave me a new one, all unspotted, and said, Do better then, my child. This is God's heart, and this is what God wants us to do uh, during this season. He wants us to do better, but we can't do it on our own. It's just God, it's Jesus that, uh, that is going to, uh, as long as we're asking him, to draw closer to him. So let's pray that during this season that this is what happens, that we just get closer and closer to him so that our hearts burn with the love of him. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you did for us. We thank you that you give us this season, this season to remind us of uh, how this all started. And we know that you know, your life here on earth was a life in union with the Father. And that's what we want. We want our life to be a union with your Father, to become more and more like you, to become more and more like the Father. We thank you again and again, over and over again, that you did so much for us because you love us. And Lord, we want to show and share that love with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen.